Welcome to the Not Old Yet podcast, where we explore the subject of aging from a fresh new perspective. Each week, you will learn how to look, feel, and be youthful, no matter your age or stage of life. Tune in each episode to hear words of wisdom, stories of hope, and keeping it real advice from your host, Elizabeth Vanderveer. We got a beautiful story. I'm Elizabeth Vanderveer, your host of the Not Old Yet Global Podcast. I'm here with my good friend and fashionista, Cindy. Hi, Cindy. Hi. Cindy is a Hollywood set designer, fashion model, clothing designer. And as you all may know, if you've listened to other podcasts, I am a big Ross fan. And I like finding good quality garments that hold up. But I am typical. I probably wear 20% of my wardrobe on a regular basis. But today we're going to talk about what happens when some of your favorite things break down. They don't perform as they should have. And we're talking to Cindy Taylor, and we're going to talk about tailoring too, about what to do. So this cute jumpsuit that I've talked about on other podcasts had a little zipper problem. Now, I've had lots of zipper problems in my day. Jackets wear when, and like overcoat jackets where you zip them up and then the bottom part of the zipper separates. That's like call in the professional moments. Mm. But let's just talk about some of the common problems. Like zippers can be annoying and dicey. And I think there's different qualities. You said there's Teflon zippers, there's metal zippers, there's big, thick zippers, there's little tiny, thin ones. Mm -hmm. What do I do now that I've got a broken zipper and a really favored garment? Okay. Let's talk about the garment. If it's something you wear, if it's something you love, then it's something that you want to invest in to be able to get as much wearability out of it as possible. So there's two different avenues you can take. If you've got a local dry cleaner that has a seamstress on board, many do, many don't. So if you're not sure, do ask. Usually they have one right on site that you can see as you're walking by to help encourage other shoppers to bring their items in and get them repaired. You can take it in there and they can take a look at the zipper. Uh, quite often, zippers will lose their teeth as they mesh, like so. One of the tooths will break, and so you've got a gap in here, and then it won't continue up. It's easy enough to be able to take out the zipper and replace it with another one. Uh, you can also take those to tailors. Tailors these days are really fairly inexpensive. Gone are the days of the London tailor where you're buying the $3,000 suit, well, no, they're still there. However, yeah. we all have local tailors and they don't charge very much money at all. And what I mean so, by that is you can get most things done for well under $10. Okay. Well, that would be worth it. I mean, the garment was inexpensive, but I love it and I don't want to lose it. Mm -hmm. Do you ever need to like put your own wax on a zipper or? Yes. You do? Yes, but instead of using wax, I would use a soap, like the old fashioned bar soap. 
Okay. Just run it down each side, uh, open up the zipper and run the soap down the teeth and then run it back up and do this a couple of times and then just gently move up and move down and move up and move down. When you're buying a garment, pay attention to not just the zipper and how easily it goes up and down. If you're having a hard time with it in the store, it isn't going to get any easier at home. I've had some that you can't even like, you're like, that's not a good sign. No, not a good sign. Then look on the inside or reverse the garment and look at the stitching of the zipper in the garment. If the stitching has, it's straight up and down. And if, if you've got your, your teeth, if you've got your teeth here and the inside, we're looking at the inside of the garment now. And then you've got the zipper binding down through here. And then you've got the, the garment this way. Well, the stitching should be, the first stitching should be along here. And there should be a second stitching here. Quite often I have seen, because the zipper won't go up or down, where the stitching has a little bobble in it and it comes over into the teeth area. And this is where when the zipper goes up, it catches on the threads there. So there's two things that you can do with that. That's this. almost always what happens for me with a zipper mm -hmm. is that you catch the fabric in the zipper. Right. And highly annoying and often you rip the or put a little tear in the fabric and everything what about washing zippers or zippered garments should you zip the zipper up and have it in the closed and that depends too on uh, the garment if it's a metal zipper it's going to uh, possibly catch on finer fabrics that you're washing it with and so for that reason, you want to zip it closed okay. uh, if you're not going to launder it on its own. And so even though you put light colored clothing in together, be mindful of the textiles you're using. So if you've got something that is lighter weight, a silky t-shirt, maybe it's not silk, but just a silky lightweight t-shirt, and you've got a heavier garment in there with a larger zipper that's metal, the zipper could end up snagging and pulling a thread from the finer garments. And so do zip up those. Yes. And uh, if you have a garment with lots of adornments, I have started using one of those garment bags so that they don't catch on all your other stuff. I've actually snagged things before because I wasn't mm -hmm. careful about what I put in. That's never fun when you ruin a garment by washing it. Um, right. Garment bags are, are worth their weight in their cost. And then also reversing, uh, turning garments inside out. For example, let's use t-shirts. I just mentioned t-shirt. Some t-shirts will have an applique on the outside, say, um, that looks similar to gold leaf. It's not gold leaf, but you get my drift. And so by turning it inside out, you're protecting that from the roughness of it hitting other fabrics or the sides, the insides of your washing machine. And so the integrity of the print on there will stay more intact if you turn it inside out and launder it that way. Yeah, I had a friendship with a world expert in textiles and he said, turn everything inside out when you wash it. So I do. And it seems to be keeping the garments a little 
better in shape. But one of the biggest problems is mixing those textures and adornments and zippers all together can really wreak havoc on your laundry. I'm pretty much a a launder only person at this point. I have a few garments that are dry clean only, but any tips that you have for laundering is greatly appreciated. What about buttons? Buttons drive me crazy. Like they're so dated sometimes. Do you recommend that we look at button styles? Like, I don't know about you, but in blazers in particular, you know, oftentimes you have a blazer that fits you still, but it's got maybe gold buttons or a patterned button. What's the deal with buttons and what should we do in terms of keeping current? All right. Buttons are, buttons are a huge, huge thing. I, I have, I've given this. I have given talks to design students and so forth about buttons. So let's start, first of all, in the store. And when you find a great shirt and it's great fit, you love the fabric, you love the style, everything about it look closely at the buttons because so many times we yes. forget to really zero in on that. And that button is what will cheapen the garment nine times out of 10. And how easy. Anything about buttons. I just don't get buttons. I don't, I mean, I love them and everything, but are they part of a, a trend or a style that we need to worry about? And should we change them out? Like I literally probably have four blazers in my closet that are dated because of the buttons. So what should I do? Okay. So you can freshen all of this up and you can also take a nice garment and upscale it by removing the buttons and replacing them. Where do we find buttons? Any fabric store. Any fabric store has got a plethora of buttons and you want to make sure that the dimensions on the button that you're removing best to just actually take one, snip it off carefully and take it with you because- Is that a standard size? Are they regular sizes that you measure and you go in looking for a certain size like based on millimeters? Yes. Okay. Yes. Yes. However, for those that are more novice to this arena, I would suggest carefully snipping off one of the buttons and taking it with you to- that way match the size exactly. And the reason for that is because the tiniest amount larger may not fit through the buttonhole that was made specifically for that first button. So here's another thing. When you're considering the size of the buttonhole, let's say you want to upscale a silk shirt that had very plain, very cheap, plastic, flat, round buttons. And you want to upscale it by maybe have, well, look at this. I've got small pearls here. Oh, pretty. Beautiful. So, did that come um, with the garment? It did. Okay. It did. So a little half pearl. Yes. But be mindful of the entire dimension of the pearl or the shape of the button because, again, it's got to go through that same buttonhole. So by replacing those, it's thread, people. It's a needle. You can do this on your own. Even for the people that are watching, I'm going to go get a jacket and ask your opinion. All right. I will keep talking. You can keep talking. I will do that. So snip them off, cut them at the threads, take off the buttons, 
have a nice good pair of shears, even manicure scissors will do. You're just cutting thread, match the thread to the garment or the thread that came with the original buttons, thread so it, sew them back on. So here it is. It's an ancline and it's got two decorative points. It's got the leather on the pocket, which is stylized, and then it's got this gold ancline-ish button. Mm -hmm. And I wondered what you thought. Is a gold button ever in anymore? I bought the jacket because it fit and it's a beautiful lightweight fabric and all the good stuff, but that button is keeping me from wearing it. Okay. So I don't want to look like Melody Griffith in Working Girl. That's what I'm afraid of. So <laughs> help me out here. <laughs> okay. Help me um, out. Remember we were talking about less is more? Yeah, that's true with that jacket. So the detailing on the Beeson pocket, is yeah. that a faux leather? <laughs> is it faux leather? If that's what comes across. Is I it leather? Leather, <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay, so let's let's do this. You can get leather wrapped buttons. <gasps> Yes. Girlfriend, you are so dang good. And and that would be phenomenal on that jacket. That would just be oh. so chic. Okay, so why didn't the dang designer do it? Why do I have to go do it now? And I should I, maybe, I don't know if I should have not even bought the damn thing because it's been sitting in my closet. No, it's a classic. It's a classic. It's, it's a gorgeous jacket. And I love the Beeson pocket with the leather. So get yourself a leather button and put it there. Are there also gold buttons on the cuff? No, there's a okay. thing which I Good. love. It's actually a pretty great jacket, but to me, this thing just screams 80s. <laughs> well, and not it does, plus it brings as, as you're wearing it, and, and is that navy or is that black? Black, of course. Okay. All I right, did so your fashion advice that said we should get a blazer that's navy and white or off white. But right. at the same time, I said, I'm sorry, Cindy, I thought I heard you say black, not blue. <laughs> All right, so let's assume that you're wearing this and you're wearing it with a black pair of trousers, pants, jeans, doesn't matter. Black. That's a black. really good assumption. <laughs> All right, so black would be the uniform. And let's just assume you're going to wear a very simple tank or a shell or a soft lower round neck t-shirt, something in a soft white. Standing at a distance, and let's say your shoes are black as well. There the we first thing people are going to do is the eye is going to be drawn to the light reflecting off of the button. And is that what you want? Do you want people to zero in on your midsection or do you want them to look up here? Yeah, really good point. So for those that are just listening, this is an Ancline. Actually, it's a, like a jersey fabric almost. It's not a woven, like typical blazer fabric. Got soft shoulders and then a single button in the front and a horizontal drip of pleather <laughs> on the uh, pocket. Could and be vegan leather. Oh, I, it could be vegan leather. That'd be awesome. But the point is that the gold button, the typical ancline look in the middle of the body, kind of almost like a bullseye. Well, just like that to me yeah. looks dated. And 
like working girl. So I love the tone on tone, the black idea. And then I love the leather. Fantastic. So with my limited knowledge of fabric stores, would a Joann's have something like that? Yes, or they would. Okay, cool. Well, mm -hmm. I'm coming to Portland in a couple of weeks, so we might go do that. <laughs> right. If you're coming to Portland, let's go to the Mill End store. Yeah, that's it. Joann's is fine too, but uh, here in Portland, we have uh, two Mill End stores in their uh, vast, and, uh, and I know the owners, so we'll go oh, there. That's a great idea. Mill End is fantastic. So what else about buttons? I know there's button museums. When was the button developed? And Oh my gosh, the, the button goes back to 2,000 years. No way. Like yes, because oh think about it. If you could get twine and a stone or let's say a, a walnut shell or something like that and pierce it and then put this around it, you've just created a fastener. Wow. Kind of caveman. <laughs> Primitive. It is. It is. But it's been around eons. And there are some amazing vintage buttons and vintage button stores out there. And some of them are just so rare and so beautiful. If you've got something that's very, very plain and needs something that amps it up in some fashion, swap out of the buttons or even just add the buttons as a jeweling factor. But well, I'll give this a plug in New York City in the Garment District. What a great thing to do if you ever visit New York. Get over there and go to the button stores and the mm -hmm. adornment stores like the trim and all that. Oh, it's incredible. Just you could spend hours there. But right. buttons have a life of their own. Uh, weren't there fabric buttons too? I remember. Oh, there are. There are fabric. There are stone. 2010, I had a collection where I used pieces of slate in various different geometric shapes as uh, buttons and also as adornment. And um, bamboo, rocks, stones, gemstones. Buttons can be made really out of anything. Wow, that's awesome. Well, I think it's a great way to update your look. It's great to know you can replace zippers relatively easily. I'm actually going to do that and report back how much it is and how easy it was to do. But a great tip is go shopping in your own closet and look for ways to update things. I think what would be really helpful is if we actually do a show, Cindy, and look at some of the things in our closet with tags on. And that would be great. Say, should it stay? Should it go? Uh, mm -hmm. Can this be rescued, basically? I mean, there's some things that the first minute you buy it, it's a fashion don't, and right. it never should have been purchased. So maybe each one of us next time could bring some of our tagged items and just see what we want to do with it. I've encouraged people in past podcasts, and so have you, that uh, take risks. Go shopping in your own closet. Pull out things. Pull out things and be really objective and say, it has a redeeming quality. It doesn't have a redeeming quality. It's a size that I've never fit into, and it's all aspirational. Or it's a size that I've been in before and I could get back to with a little work. You know, those things, I think a lot of us buy things 
aspirationally. We want to be that size. Oh, one final thing. We've got to touch on this, Cindy, and I so appreciate your input. Sizing. What the freak is going on with sizing? They make no sense. They're not consistent across the brands. They're not consistent across the stores. I've done a podcast on this specifically about how my entire life at times was completely influenced by the size of the clothes that I wore and whether or not I felt comfortable or not. Now, I was a lot heavier and it did almost may not have mattered if I was wearing a size 2 or a size 10 or a size 15. I don't know. But I was so influenced by the size. Actually, when I was super skinny as a teenager, it mattered more than anything. But that was a long time ago. But nowadays, what's up with sizes? How do we even navigate sizes? What's a fit model for athletics versus a fit? Like, what if I'm in decent shape and I want to buy athletic wear and I want to buy ready to wear for work? And Mm -hmm. how do you even know? Okay, so this there, that was a lot of questions in there, and they're gonna they're gonna receive a lot it, of different answers. It drives us all let's, crazy. Sizing let's start. Let's start crazy. not with the designer, but with the manufacturer. Okay, because let's use a size eight for example. A size eight that was manufactured in Asia is going to be geared around models there their body types are different. Even if they're selling it in the U.S., yes. they still fit yes. models in Asia. Yes. Wow. They're, they're, and they're, the body types are different in Europe as well as the sizing on an eight is different in Europe than here. And then it's different in this country. It would also be different if the garment is made in Mexico or South America. And I'm going to pick on Asia right now just because it's, I think, a a better visual for our listeners. And I'm going to talk about a structured garment. Let's talk about a dress that's got sleeves and it's got a waist and then you've got your hip area. There is a measurement that a lot of people are not aware of and it's, it's the band. The band measurement is that area that's right underneath the bust. And so that measurement that goes around the bottom part of your bra, that's the band measurement when you buy one. But it is also critical for the designer to know the market that they're selling it to because the difference between the waist level and the band level has to do with the purchaser. And so if you're Asian, your area between the waist and your band level is going to be shorter. Therefore, when you buy a garment and you put it on and the waist doesn't come to your waist, but it comes a little higher, it's probably manufactured in Asia. Yep. It happens to me all the time because I'm long-waisted. Another problem I wanted to ask you about is when I buy things that have the European sizing in them, so the EU, and it tells you those sizes, they tend to be smaller up top, I find. And I'm wondering is as a culture or a market, are Europeans more slender up top than we are? Or I get that waist to band ratio, but where else are we mismatching with the manufacturers on sizing 
Okay, again, it depends, not just Europe, because Europe is pretty vast, but if you're talking about something that was made in Turkey, that's going to be entirely different from something that was made in Italy. Why? Something because the body types are different. And also the wearability of the garment, the style of the garment is entirely different. And it is unfortunate, but it isn't a global industry in that we have all one. We don't have one size fits all. It doesn't. And so that's why it's really important to not pay attention to the sizing as much as it is the specific measurements. And that's also why it's important to try things on and look at it from all angles. If you're buying online, it's really important to pay attention to the measurements. Look at the measurements and then also check the reviews because if that particular style because of the designer or where it was manufactured is running large, the comments from the purchasers previously will state so. And those reviews are your friend. That's a really good point. Amazon has that now, all, I think on every garment where it's true to size and it gives you a percentage, which is really helpful. But explain more about the measurements. How would I go online and buy something and understand the measurements and what measurement am I looking for? Okay, so it's important to know your measurements and not so much their measurements because their measurements aren't going to help you at all if you don't know your actual size. And that doesn't mean that you are an eight. And because I'm an eight, that's the size I'm going to buy. Because as we just discussed, they're not all the same. So if you don't have a tape measure, if you don't have a friend that can help you, it's very easy to go into a store. In fact, even a fabric store, they can even do it for you. That's a great idea. Fabric stores, the tape measure and yeah. A lingerie store, uh, Nordstrom's has a wonderful lingerie department, underwear department, and all of their employees are trained in this area. You can go into the dressing room. They will bring in a tape measure. They will measure everything. They will measure. Victoria's Secret will too. Yes, they will. They're great. They will measure above here. You can get it measured from here to here. A tailor can do this. A tailor will probably do it for free if they're not slammed. And you want to get your measurements from shoulder to shoulder. Mm. You want to get your length, meaning from here all the way to the floor. And you also want to get, obviously, from the band to your waist, the waist to your hips. Regarding pants, it's really important to know the inseam size. Most men know automatically. Most women do not. Right. You want to know that. And collar. A collar is another and a sleeve length is another. And the sleeve length, you want to measure all the way down to your wrist from your shoulder on the inside and the outside. The collar, again, using a shirt that fits you really well is probably the best method for you. Otherwise, you're apt to do it too tight. Interesting. Well, I've talked about this before. In most outfits that I put together for myself now, I'll have a small I'll have an extra large, I'll have an eight, I'll have a 12, I'll have a two. I mean, literally I put on clothes and the sizes, you would think I was, you know, completely misproportioned because of the way that the sizes are going, you know, high, low, small, big. And literally I was wearing a pair of relatively 
sweats or something, I mean, nice ones, and they were extra larges. And then I put on another pair from another designer, higher end, and they were small. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, go figure. Like, you can't trust the sizing. So I just want to clarify something that you said. If you are buying a garment made in another country, but it's made by a U.S. company that's making it overseas somewhere, it's going to come back with a fit that's not necessarily the U.S. shape? Correct. Not necessarily. Because we're not known for being super thin right now. (laughs) No, no, we're not. (laughs) The average size for women, adult women in this country is a 14. Okay, so that's gone up. It used to be 12, and then it used to be 10, and it used to be 8, like 30 years ago. So, yeah, we are mushrooming. Well, uh, I know that you've spoken with me with uh, my dear friend, Yotam Solomon, who's a designer in New York, and he's passionate about making garments that work for all sizes, all the way up to 36, which is just incredible. But his belief is that you can look good at any size. You can. I think a lot of it's related to textures, colors, color blocking, lines, patterns. patterns or I'm not a big pattern girl. I do have one quick question about length. So I'm short, you're tall. I'm 5'4 or something around there. And I used to buy a lot of long skirts that would go to mid-calf and even lower. Mm-hmm. What's the convention now for your height and the lengths of your garments is there any guidelines that we should know there's really almost no guidelines anymore because you'll see hem lengths of all different types and all of them are acceptable with the exception of certain key places you don't want to be wearing mini skirts in the vatican unless you're jennifer aniston because she got away with it did she yep (laughs) wow and didn't have to stand in the queue either. But fame has its privileges for sure. The thing is, is when you're trying something on, and I'm not talking about necessarily in the changing room of the store, but at home as well, because our body's shape changes and uh, we look different in something that we may have purchased three years ago, five years ago, 10 years ago. So do a 360 turn around and see what other people are seeing as you're walking away wearing a skirt that from the front looks still pretty good. But what are they seeing? Oh my God, Cindy, I was wearing an outfit once that I was thinking it was fine. Friend took a picture of me. They thought it was a great picture, but it was from behind. I looked at it. It changed my life. I was like, Oh, that's what I look like from behind. That is not what I want to look like from behind. I had forgotten to do the 360 before I went out. That's great. Do that. So here's another thing to keep in mind. The legs. They're not up and down for a reason. And, you know, for the most part, they're tapered at the knee. The knee comes out. They're tapered right underneath the kneecap. The calves come out, and then they start to go into the ankle. And then flare out at the ankle. I'm talking about the out shape of the leg as for, for what our eye sees. Oh, so, unclothed. Unclothed, Just yes. The shape of the leg, okay. Right. So where, where the hemline stops is where the eye's vision and where that, that thinking takes over. So if you have something like a hemline, if you have a hemline, whether it's a skirt or let's say a pair of like 
wide leg trousers or something that stops at the widest part of your calf. Mm -hmm. And you've got this volume that's continuing to go up. The, the mind's eye is seeing the width. Mm -hmm. It's not seeing where it tapers back in. And you so know, it's adding really visual pounds to you. Really good point. I bought some crop pants and they're definitely for a longer leg than mine. Mm -hmm. They're comfortable. I love them. But I looked at them objectively and they hit, because of what you said, they hit me in the widest part of my calf and they make my legs look more like piano legs than the you know, thinner leg that I have. I'm lucky yeah. to have that. It's one of my yeah. better assets, my ankles. <laughs> Right. But you're absolutely right. So my question to you was, if I'm short at five foot four, having a long skirt down to the mid calf or even longer, regardless of shoes, so whether I'm wearing heels or not, is that a bad look for someone that's shorter? Are those conventions just gone? And which length were you just talking about? Long. So uh, no, no, no. That's quite fine. That's fine. Okay. Yeah, no, no, that's fine. One of the things you want to do is if you can take it to your ankles, let's say, let's say we're, we're in the summer, go figure, and you're wearing a long t-shirt dress, you know, something sporty, they're, they're on trend right now. Take it all the way to your ankles, wear it with flats. I mean, how adorable is that? I and love the tennis shoe, not tennis shoes, but like the little leather shoes, you know, tennis shoes looking. I love that look with those long t-shirt dresses. Right. Like trainers or something like that. Yeah. And if you, if you got it from your hip flowing straight down, it's very slenderizing. By the way, just to point something out to you, the average height of women in the United States is five foot four. So you're not short. Hmm. I wonder what the average weight is in the U.S. Or the you find that out. Height. So anyway, be mindful of your widest parts and how flattering or not, because if you've got something on, look critically at yourself in the mirror. And if it hits you at one of your wider spots, just grab a hold of the fabric and raise it ever so slightly, maybe at the top of your calves, where it starts to go in still below your knee, but right in there, it will be so much more slimming. Yeah. Just those two inches. And that, if you if you're, don't have a needle and thread, if you're not into that type of thing, take it into a tailor. And, uh, you know, for less than 10 bucks, probably about $6, they can hem that for you. And, uh, and you'll wear it so much more. You'll be so much happier about that. Wow. So here's some stuff <laughs> that are pretty terrifying. First, I just want to say that all of these little tips that you give, I've started to implement and they really make a difference in my fashion world and everything. This is fascinating, Cindy. So just as a comparison, and it's all in kilograms, let me figure this out in pounds, but the average American woman is 76.4 kilograms, which actually is less than I thought, 168 pounds. So that's probably a size 12 or no, probably 14. Uh, if you're about 170 pounds, but and interesting. are we talking about five foot four in height? You know, American women 20 years and above have an average weight of 170.6 pounds, five feet, 3.7 inches. So you're right about that. 
and the waist is 38 inches. Wow, that means we have a group of apples. So from a design, 38 inches on the waist is not just high, it's dangerously high. And it's dangerous for the individual too. Very much. No, that's what I'm saying. But that also tells you why people like you and I do, uh, you and I are, that still have a waist. I often try on clothes and the waist is just gaping because that's what they're designing for. The average South Korean woman is 56 kilos. Let's see what that is. 56 times 2.2, 123 pounds. So we are over uh, South Korea. We are extremely heavy. UK is about 10 pounds under us. So about 160 pounds. And then Sweden is about 20 Mm -hmm. 30 pounds less, but this is not a, this is an auspicious place to be. It's not good. No. no. And one of the best things that you can do is to decrease that central obesity, the muffin top, you know, all that. But unfortunately, as we enter menopause, lower estrogen levels can really cause us to pack on the pounds in the middle, but that's the worst kind of weight uh, anything else? These oh, are- I think we could go on and on, but I think this is a good place to pause and uh, we can come back with another one later. Yeah, I'm looking forward to doing the let's go raid our closets and have Cindy fix them up for us so we can get some use out of all that money that we spent that's just hanging there with the tags on begging to be worn. And I did another podcast. I'm not sure when it's going to be posted yet, but I put on an outfit made out of things in my closet with tags on it, had a wonderful experience, lots of compliments. So I showed people what I did, but I think we just have to do more of that. Like let's mix it up. And as I've shared before, you always look like a million bucks. Now I would expect that from a fashionista and fashion model, but you have some incredible tips and then you just pull it all together and make it look effortless, which is the goal for all of us. And it should be, right. Well, if we have some of the tips and tricks and we know what we're doing, it's a lot easier. So thank you so much for all this great input, Cindy. We really appreciate it. And uh, while zippers and buttons and uh, sizing may not seem to be the most hot topic of all, it's stuff that we deal with at least once a day when we put on our clothes, if not more. And practical advice from an expert is always welcome. So thank you. We'll talk to you next time. Once again, I'm Elizabeth from Not Old Yet Global. Thank you so much for joining us. Please hit the like button and subscribe. We would love to hear from you and join us next time. Thanks so much. Bye-bye.